I think that Team USA will win gold in the Olympics. Originally, I said they were a bronze team uh, based on how they were performing, the situation around COVID, uh, the rotation. It just seemed like they didn't have a sense of urgency, and I think those couple losses early against Nigeria, uh, the loss to Australia, I think that kind of shifted their perspective. I'm pulling up on that. I think USA gets his revenge. For the greatest shooter ever touch a basketball, Steph Curry, he's the first player to sign two $200 million contracts. Uh, Curry gets a four-year, $215 million extension, which is insane to think about, but I must say he's worth it. Uh, he will earn $59.6 million, I repeat. Wow, $59.6 million just sounds crazy. But bringing in a Russell Westbrook just changes the dynamic of your team right away on paper. And from a box, <laughs> a box office standpoint, this is going to be must-see TV. Welcome to the 118th episode of Pull Up. It's currently Thursday, August 5th, 2021, as you know. And on this date, August 6th, 1962, the Philadelphia franchise moves from Syracuse and changes their team name from the Nationals to the Sixers, which originates from the Declaration of Independence being signed in 1776, also in Philadelphia. That's a, a really great fun fact that I was unaware of, so I'm glad I could share that with everyone. To catch you up on what I've been doing lately, I've been training. I was in New York City uh, for the, the past week working on my game. Uh, Todd, our head strength and athletic coach, came with me, Devin, uh, the PT and movement specialist that I hired over a year ago when I broke my back, also traveled, and we've been kind of working through you know, our plan and progression as we get closer to the season. So I'm excited uh, about where I'm at now. Um, having started boxing June 20th, now August you know, 5th, August 6th, I've been, been able to get a lot of boxing in, a lot of offloading um, in the ring, a lot of basketball, a lot of skill structure, focus stuff, balance, obviously working on my jump shot. And now I've transitioned into the strength training portion of my summer where I'll do three weeks of strength training where I'm lifting about three days a week, implementing yoga, um, cardio on the court, some contact stuff, some passing, pick and roll. And eventually uh, progress towards five and five, but I'm excited about that. I'm currently in Canton, Ohio, as I record this. Uh, my nephew's first birthday was yesterday, so I'm thankful I can be home and see my family. My grandma's birthday is um, August 10th, so I'll be able to take her out to dinner, kind of enjoy that. So it's nice to be home for a little bit while still being able to get work in because my brother is still also training and is a professional athlete. For many of you that already know that, we work out together a lot in the summertime, so it's nice to to be here and be able to go through that stuff. And it's also nice to see some of my high school friends. And it's ironic because a guy I actually went to high school with and, and played with has his own gym now and we work out there, which is cool. Now to see how life has kind of come full circle. I used to hate being in the weight room. Now I find myself lifting, you know, sometimes twice a day, which is ironic how life comes full circle. But going through this period um, right now in the NBA, it's very strange. It's very weird, although this is my eighth summer, uh, if you will, of, of being an NBA player, uh, seeing players get traded, seeing players sign new deals, new contracts, seeing guys in New Jersey's. It's always an emotional time, but also a special time for a lot of players because their dreams are becoming a reality on being able to sign you know, some of those larger contracts and larger numbers to where they create that generational wealth, which is one of the goals of you know playing sports in general is to be able to take care of your family. So 
I'm always extremely happy for them, extremely happy for guys that get new opportunities or better opportunities, but also sad to see a lot of my teammates go. And this year, I'm obviously going to see some teammates go again. Um, Mello uh, signed a deal with the Lakers, a one-year deal. I'm happy for him. I actually talked to him on FaceTime um, yesterday. Uh, we're going to catch up uh, and work out together and get dinner when I'm in the city next. So I'm happy for him. He seems like he's in a good space mentally. Uh, it seems like he's at peace. He's happy. He's thankful for... Uh, what he was able to accomplish and do in Portland. He's thankful for the, the relationships that we'll have forever. And obviously, um, he played a huge, huge role in our team. And I'm thankful to have been a part of his journey, uh, being able to play alongside him, um, you know, from what's happened over his course of his career um, and his previous situations to coming back to the league, to being a part of, you know, the revamp um, in his basketball career in his image I know there's a lot of you know different things that kind of went on with him as a person and what they were saying about him as a locker room guy and a lot of it was just wasn't true Melo is a really good dude and I was a great leader for us uh, a guy who meant a lot to you know the starters meant a lot to the guys that played a lot but also was a great mentor to a lot of the younger players and uh, I just think it was really cool to see his approach you know 18 years in a guy who still showed up early still stayed late played once almost every day, uh, was really strategic about how he worked on his body, how he worked on his game, and he also enjoyed wine. So I thought that was really cool. And I just kind of learned that there's a lot of experiences that are going to come with this game um, so that it's important. You take advantage of the moments, you take advantage of the times together, and really figure out ways to collectively build that chemistry on and off the court with dinners, uh, with outings, with wine events, uh, with kind of connecting with your teammates because then the success is that much more fun. And the connection on the court is, is that much more deep to where you're on the same page. Norman Powell, shout out to my guy Norm. Five years, $90 million deal. I'm, I'm really happy uh, for him. I think he provided a nice spark for us. He did a lot of different things. Obviously, a guy who can get downhill, can score around the basket. He's strong. Um, one of the best uh, three-point shooters in the NBA, especially specifically from the corner um, the last couple of years. I think he shot you know, damn near 60% in the left corner. So he's a guy who's given us a different look. He can get out in transition. He can run a pick and roll. Um, he can create baskets for himself. And and he had a couple great games in that playoffs uh, this previous season. And it was still, you know, us trying to figure out continuity, trying to figure out how to properly use him and him trying to get accustomed to how we play. But I'm looking forward to seeing what we can build on that. And we were a top three offensive team with him uh, in the lineup. Um, damn near number one offensive team, you know, looking at, you know, some of those, teams towards the top, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Brooklyn Nets, and those offensive juggernauts. I think we fit right in with them from an offensive standpoint. So uh, I think he's definitely going to help us. He creates a, a, another um, look for us, another score, another guy who can do a lot of stuff and also is a fiery competitor. So very happy for him, a, a guy who you know was under the radar and, as he says, got to understand the grind. My guy DJ picked up a player option. Um, he's coming back. Very, very explosive. Uh, very, very good defensively athletic. I think he led the NBA uh, and blocked shots for guys 6'6 six, six and under. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how Chauncey utilizes him, how he kind of fits in with our team and how we can get the best out of him. I think he was shooting around 38% from three last season as well when he was in the rotation. So as it's a guy who's an improved shooter, uh, slasher, finisher, transition freak, lob threat, and he can go guard You know some of the, the top wings in the NBA. We lose my guy Ennis. He goes back to Boston. That's one of the, my favorite teammates of all time just because of his personality, how happy he is, and how selfless he is. He's one of the only players in the NBA 
where when the starter gets hurt and he's the backup, he's he's happy about the role and being able to play. But about three games in, three days in, he's like, look, I signed up for 22 to 25 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, he's that type of guy who, you know, was looking forward to Nurk coming back. And he would, you know, be the ultimate team guy and talk to the media about how, you know, he's just trying to fulfill a role until Nurk comes back and he's happy, you know, to come off the bench and do those types of things. He's just a really good human being who does things the right way and continues to, to fight for a lot of the, uh, the things that are affecting him and, and his people back home in his country. My guy, Zach Collins, I'm happy for him because... He's faced a lot of injuries uh, these past few years, and as a guy who's been hurt, I understand what that does to you mentally. I understand what that does to you emotionally and physically, and for him to have to continue to rehab, uh, I know it's taken a toll on him, but I'm happy to see the Spurs you know, extending an offer to him. I think he got a three-year deal. He's going to an organization uh, who's been proven um, to help develop players. They care about their young guys. They're going to give him all the opportunities in the world to succeed. And he's going to get a chance to be the best version of himself once he's healthy. You know, picking and popping, being able to post up, being able to defend. Uh, he can essentially guard one through five, uh, a guy who can knock down threes, a guy who has a huge, huge ceiling and a huge, huge future in this league. I'm very, very thankful uh, for our relationship and hopeful that he'll get healthy and be able to come back from this in, in five to, to seven years. We will forget that he was hurt um, in the beginning of his career. So really, really excited about him. We signed Cody Zeller to a one-year deal. Uh, he'll he'll be slated as the backup for Nurk. I think he's just a solid guy, the, the ultimate teammate, uh, based on things I've heard uh, from other players, from other organizations, and, and from our agent who we share together. Cody's just a really good dude. He'll do all the dirty work. He'll set screens. He'll dive and roll to the basket. He'll hit the weak side. Just a sharp, smart player um, who comes from a basketball family, basketball pedigree, who will definitely, definitely be a huge, huge help and a huge, huge added boost to our depth as a team. And he's a guy you can depend on each night to just be solid and consistent. Ben McLemore comes in as a backup swingman. One-year deal. Was in my draft class in 2013. Sniper. He has one of the prettiest jumpers I've seen in the NBA, um, period. Usually a great result, and I'm sure he'll give us that change of pace that we need in terms of a guy who can just come in, knock down shots, come off screens, do those little things, and also a guy who the defense can't leave, understanding his shot credibility, understanding the fact that he can get hot at a moment's notice. I'm looking forward to playing with Ben and looking forward to seeing you know how he continues to help us out. Tony Snell. He comes in, you know, very, very tall, known for, for being a 3 and D guy. He's a long wing. He's, he's athletic. He can guard. And I think last year he shot 50-50-100, uh, which kind of shows you how efficient, how effective he is, over 50% from the field, obviously 50% from three and 100 at the line, which is, which is incredible. Even if you only have five attempts, it's hard to make <laughs> five free throws in a row, as, as I've struggled with my entire career. But I'm looking forward to – Playing with all these guys, I'm sure there's some more movement that, that could potentially happen, not only with our team, but the rest of the NBA. And I look forward to discussing all those things throughout the, the rest of the podcast in, in terms of moves by the Chicago Bulls, moves from the Miami Heat, my guy Vic. I finalized the deal. He's going back. Another guy who's in my draft class. So I'm extremely happy and excited to see how the NBA shapes up. I'm excited to, to play 2K again and, and see all these guys on different rosters. I'm for sure getting some jerseys from some of my friends who have switched teams and uh, really just look forward to talking about everything. So so stay locked into the pull-up pod. We got the Curry situation. $200 million man for the second time. Knicks, Julius Randle, he gets another bag. New bag alert. And so much more. So make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. Hit us with a five-star review. 
and share the show with a friend and tell that friend to tell a friend. No team in the NBA is going to look more different than the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers end up losing Alex Caruso, Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Andre Drummond. All those players played a unique role for this franchise. Obviously, Caruso is the fan favorite, you know, the backup point guard who also could slide over as a starter. Kuzma had huge potential, ends up signing a three-year deal. I think he was getting 10 to $13 million a year. He'll be leaving KCP. A guy they depended on a lot to guard point guards for them, to guard wings and also knock down threes is leaving. And Dre uh, was a late acquisition last season who will be taking his talents to Philly. So with that being said, they lose a lot, but they bring in a lot more, if you ask me. They bring in Russell Westbrook, who's obviously you know a guy who's from California, brings a lot of energy, multi-year all-star, 20,000-point score, over 5,000 rebounds and 5,000 assists in his career. Uh, we'll play alongside LeBron, obviously have a lot of those ball handling responsibilities. We'll be forced to take and make big shots, uh, but also be the heart and soul of this team. He's a guy who's going to be de- dependent on to play most nights. Obviously, LeBron's getting older. Um, AD has had some issues with injuries in the past. So they'll be very selective with uh, load management and how they strategically play all these players, which is really, really important considering AD was facing some Achilles stress and some Achilles issues, which end up, you know, hampering his hamstring and so on and so forth throughout the playoffs. So they have another guy who can carry the load, which is really important. And then you add key rotation players who can make a difference. Trevor Ariza, a guy who hasn't been there in over 10 years. I was fortunate enough to play alongside him, the ultimate pro, another California guy who can make three pointers, play defense, make the extra pass, do whatever it takes to win. They add my guy Mello, um, who's a proven guy, probably get close to 30,000 points, over 25,000 points in his career, uh, can still play three, four, five, mostly the four and the five now. And what helps is that he's playing with LeBron in AD. So they'll be able to do a lot of switching down the stretch of games. They'll be able to mix and match lineups to where AD can play the five, Bron can guard the four, Melo can guard the three, and then they can switch it around to where Melo guards the four and Bron guards the three. They got a lot of different options and looks they can do. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they kind of Use Melo to his strengths, getting him in the mid post, getting him moving around and allowing Russ to kind of get downhill and make plays for the other guys, as well as Braun, who's arguably uh, the greatest passer the game's ever seen. Wayne Ellington, sniper. Uh, When you see his name, you think of shooting right away. You think of his history, how smooth his jump shot is. And them losing KCP, them losing Caruso, them losing Kyle Kuzma means they had to add depth. On the perimeter, they had to add wings and had to add shooting. And I think they've addressed that with the Wayne Ellingtons of the world, with the Arizas of the world. They had Kent Bazemore, another guy who was one of my teammates, uh, a great professional. He's going to come in early. He's going to stay late. He's going to work hard, comfortable in any role, um, can hit corner threes, can hit some wing threes. But it really is a guy who's going to go out there and compete. He's going to go pick up guys, you know, 94 feet. He's going to turn them. And he's going to be excited to play along uh, the likes of Russ, Braun, A.D., Mel, Trevor, all those guys. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they kind of adjust. The underrated signing out of all these players, besides Malik Monk, I'm a huge Malik Monk fan. I think he has a lot of upside. He's an explosive athlete. He can score. 
he's going to run off some some great nights throughout the season, especially when the Lakers decide to rest certain players, which will open up their rotation even more and allow players to kind of get more minutes and more opportunities that they would normally get. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. But I think Kendrick Nunn was a great signing for them. The Miami Heat kind of played with him a little bit, uh, essentially picking up his option, then taking it away and kind of waiting, you know, two days into the free agency period. And I thought the money had dried up. I thought he wasn't going to be able to, to finalize a deal. And his agent, either they had the situation lined up or whatever the case may be, but he worked out a great situation for him to go to a team where he's a value add. He's a, a key piece that they need. Russ is obviously a point guard who can do a lot of different things, but I think Kendrick Nunn's ability to shoot off of the uh, pick and roll, shoot off the bounce in isolation situations, and also catch and shoot threes is going to be very, very important for them. Um, you need multiple ball handlers and decision makers to have success, not only late in fourth quarters, but in the start of the playoffs. And I think he's a guy who can be a huge, huge factor for them. And then with them losing Dre, uh, a backup center, it was important that you picked up Dwight Howard. Obviously, you have Marc Gasol, a guy who can contribute, a guy who can do different things and mix it up from a playmaking standpoint and from an offensive standpoint. But you need a great presence um, to protect the rim. And I think Dwight Howard showed that he's done that throughout his entire career. He's comfortable with that role. He's back in L.A., and he played extremely well for the Sixers this last season, especially when Embiid was out. He was a huge, huge impact player who rebounded and did a lot of different things. So this Lakers team is going to be very good. They are old. Um, they're mature. They're experienced. They have proven guys who know what it takes to get through an entire season. And they have five future Hall of Famers. So they're, they're a, a team that definitely was aggressive, made some moves. And I think that they made a lot of moves to – provide a veteran presence, to provide leadership, to provide depth, and to provide some of the things they felt like they were lacking these past couple of years, especially down the stretch of the playoffs. You know, Caruso, Schroeder, Kuzma, KCP, they're all good players in their own right. But bringing in a Russell Westbrook just changes the dynamic of your team right away on paper. And from a box, <laughs> a box office standpoint, this is going to be must-see TV. Fans are going to want to be there. I can imagine all the celebrities will be out, especially since we're, we're coming off of you know, the situation with COVID and all the things we've gone through. Um, historically, people are going to really want to watch the Los Angeles Lakers. They always do, but now they're really going to want to watch them. And I look forward to seeing, you know, what happens from a rotation standpoint, what happens from a spacing standpoint. You put Russ out there with AD and Bron. Those are a lot of guys who like to play in the mid-range. Bron's a very dominant ball handler who makes decisions for the team, gets the rebound and runs. You add Russ to that mix, and I look forward to seeing how they play off of each other, how they do the rotations to where maybe Russ is out there by himself sometimes, similar to what he did in Washington when he played alongside Bradley Beal, so that he can be the best version of himself because he's most effective with the ball in his hands, but so is LeBron James. So I look forward to seeing what they do there. Looking at the Knicks roster, the Knicks had a huge, huge turnaround, very successful season. Thibodeau did a great job. They lose Reggie Bullock. They lose Alfred Payton. They lose Frank. And they add Kemba, a New York native, a guy who's shown he can score. He's shown he can carry a franchise, and he's shown that he can be clutch and hit big shots down the stretch. Great signing, I think. Evan Fournier, uh, another long athletic wing who can score off the bounce and be creative. He battled COVID. He battled some other things last season with the Celtics. But as he showed um, throughout this, this time in the Olympics, he can score with the best of them. He can be efficient. He's a very skilled player. And I think he makes the Knicks better. And obviously, they knew what needed to be done. Uh, they signed Julius Randle, extend him to four years, 
117 million, a great number. I'm excited about that for him because I know how hard he works. And I know, you know some of the circumstances he's gone through with being drafted by the Lakers, getting hurt, and being traded to this, the current situation. Uh, it's a blessing for him. And I think he's a guy who's earned every right to, to receive that money. And it could be looked at as an underpay depending on how he continues to perform down the road. But I like what the Knicks have done. They're definitely going to compete with the likes of Brooklyn and Milwaukee. But I still feel like Milwaukee and Brooklyn are head and shoulders above them for the foreseeable future. Uh, obviously, when you got Kevin Durant and you got Giannis, it's hard for teams to beat you. And you look at their supporting cast around them, they all have stars, role players, established guys who can make and take big shots on the stretch. And I think that will pose problems for everyone. But the Knicks are doing well. And lastly, Derrick Rose and Nerlens, two great signings. D. Rose gets another bag to kind of add on to his career. Happy for him. A backup point guard who could also fulfill the starter's role uh, with Kimba. Maybe Kimba has some nights where he rests, low management, things of that nature for the knees. That'll allow Derrick Rose to kind of get busy and uh, continue to bring that spice the garden has been missing for quite some time. The Miami Heat, my guy Oladipo resigns with them. But the main situation here is them acquiring Kyle Lowry uh, via sign and trade, three years, $90 million, a guy who's won a championship defensively. Um, that's where he kind of lays his hat. He's a leader. He's a guy who's selfless. He makes the right place, makes the right passes, but can hit big shots. Uh, he'll hit threes. He'll get into the lane and do those types of things. And I think that the fact that him and Jimmy are friends uh, will make the situation so much better. With, with the culture around the Miami Heat, how big they are on – being in shape, doing things the right way, playing team basketball. Kyle is the epitome of all those things, and I think he'll be a great value add for them, and he'll also be able to golf um, during his time there, which is probably something he's excited about. They re-signed Duncan Robinson uh, for the highest deal ever for an undrafted player. Um, Fred Van Fleet uh, previously had that title, but now Duncan Robinson, five years, $90 million. Shooting is very, very important in the NBA. They put a premium on it. If you can shoot the basketball, you will be paid. And he's a guy who shoots it with the best of them, but can also move. Um, with Bam being there, they, they're able to get him in dribble handoff situations, pick-to-picker type plays, and the Spain action where there's a ball screen coming and then a back screen on the other defender. And I think he'll thrive in this role to where he's low maintenance. You know, he just spots up in the corner, kind of floats. He'll find his shots. And Jimmy Butler, who received a max extension five years, $182 million, We'll continue to figure out ways uh, to get him involved and to find him. And Jimmy's a guy who's a willing passer. And I think the Miami Heat have done a great job of surrounding their star players with key role players who will accept roles, who will play through roles, and be comfortable in them. I think that the, the, the key to winning a championship is having guys who are stars in their roles in the Heat have a lot of those different options. I have to get into the Bulls um, in the next segment. I will definitely discuss the big moves they've made, um, discussing the pieces around them in terms of obviously acquiring DeMar DeRozan. The Hawks are another sleeper team in the East who made it extremely far, probably far further than most people predicted going into this season. Uh, they give Trey Young the bag, which is what you should have done. So I'll discuss the East. I'll discuss Curry getting his second bag and so much more after this break. One of my favorite teams growing up was the Chicago Bulls, and I think they're getting back into contention based on some of the things they've accomplished as of late. They add Lonzo Ball 
to a four-year, $85 million deal. They signed DeMar DeRozan to a three-year, $85 million deal. And they signed Alex Caruso, four years, $37 million. I think this is kind of showing their mentality, their aggression going forward, and how they understand that the rest of the teams in the East, especially towards the top, are continuing to try to figure out ways to form a big three. They're continuing to try to figure out ways to surround their star players with guys who can make plays for each other, make shots, defend, and do the little things. And I think all three of these players do a little bit of everything. DeMar is an elite scorer who can operate in the mid-post area. He's got fadeaways. He's got spins. He can finish around the basket. He's going to get to the free throw line. And he's also a willing passer, a guy who can initiate offense, play on the ball, off the ball. So I think that's a, a strategic signing in the event that um, they're not able to re-sign uh, Zach Levine. I think that's a smart, smart move going forward. Looking at Lonzo Ball, you know, four years, $85 million deal. He's figured out ways to, to improve his shot. He came in, his shot was a little broken. Now he's a 37 to 39% three-point shooter. Can get into the lane. He's a big point guard. He defends. He's athletic. And he's young. So the sky's the limit for him from a potential standpoint. And you, you surround him with other scores, other guys who can finish around the basket. And I, I really like their team. I think with their style of play, I think DeMar's a great fit. He's a veteran guy. He, he plays the game the right way. I think Caruso has showed that he can play with superstars, having played with arguably the largest super, superstar the game's ever seen. He's going to make them better. He's going to continue to push Lonzo Ball. And it gives them depth. Uh, with with Zach Levine, um, with uh, Laurie Markkinen, all those different players they have, and based on how they drafted, I think this sets them up for success not only in the short term, but also in the long term. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. They'll compete for sure. They'll make the playoffs. They'll have a a much better year. But I still think that uh, the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks are still head and shoulders above everybody. But looking at the Hawks, going back to them now, revisiting this situation, Trey Young gets five years, $207 million. John Collins, five years, $125 million. They're building around their core they're building towards the future, understanding that Trey Young is a once-in-a-lifetime, you know, he's a unicorn type of player. There aren't many players that are going to come through this league like him that transcend uh, the game of basketball from a standpoint of must-see TV to being a villain to hitting big shots, getting to the lane, being able to pass. Um, so also his stature, he's a small guard who kids can kind of appreciate, look up to, idolize, and emulate. Uh, because he's not seven foot, he's not dunking every play, he's not doing things with supreme athleticism, he's doing things with supreme skill, which is very, very important to this game and to fans. And I, I look forward to, to seeing how he continues to grow and develop. And John Collins, a guy who was drafted in the latter part of the first round, is athletic. Uh, he had some issues with the team early on in terms of accepting roles, not being happy about Trey Young, not being happy about his touches to kind of maturing throughout that season and where he was like, you know, I could score 20 plus points a game, but it doesn't matter if we're not winning. He said that he wanted to do whatever it takes to win. And some nights that means you're going to have to sacrifice on the offensive end to give more defensively. And some nights you're going to have to just set screens and rebound. I think that's one of the reasons why he's able to secure that five-year deal, not just his athleticism and his skill and his talent, but also his willingness to kind of adjust, play a role for the sake of the team. And now they're able to build that core. They they add Georgie Dang. They add Lou Will to a one-year $5 million deal. So my guy Lou is going to be back and able to hit big shots in the fourth quarter. They got Bogdanovich. They have a solid team, a solid foundation of players to build on for the future. And I think this is a great situation for fans and a great situation for the Eastern Conference because it definitely got much more deep than it was before. 
there's a lot of unrestricted free agents that haven't signed yet and some that will sign sooner than later. And I think the top unrestricted free agents uh, remaining in the league right now are obviously Kawhi Leonard, who's probably still structuring his deal. Um, I would imagine that it gets done sooner than later based on all accounts. He's happy. He just bought a $17 million home in California. Um, he wants to be there. I would imagine they get a deal done. And he'll probably not play this next season, but be making top dollar for it. Kelly Oubre, a long athletic wing who a lot of teams are fans of. They love his tenacity. They love his athleticism. And they love the fact that he appears to be fearless, which can be good and bad in most circumstances and cases. But I think he'll be settling on a deal here sooner than later. And I think a lot of these guys have to understand the money is continuing to dry up. Not for Kawhi Leonard. Cool, Kawhi Leonard. Not for the Kawhi Leonard's of the world, but for, for guys who are on the fence or French, you know, maybe mid-level exception, maybe not, maybe vet minimum. The money is drying up. Dennis Schroeder was reportedly a guy who turned down $84, $85 million, and now it looks as if he may not get that. I hope he's able to sign a deal soon. The point guard market has shifted because obviously the likes of the big dogs signing with certain teams has affected some of the smaller dogs, um, like the Reggie Jacksons of the world. But I look forward to seeing what type of deals they're able to work out. Maybe they go back to their current teams. Maybe they don't. Obviously, that's not an option for Dennis Schroeder. So he may have to head to the Eastern Conference. Uh, or maybe there's a role for him somewhere in the Western Conference for a team that is desperate for uh, a point guard who can push pace, get into the lane, make a midi, and uh, run an offense. My guy, Igudala. Is currently not signed with a team. Yeah, I think there's speculation that he'll sign with a team he's previously paid played for. Uh, but you never honestly know. Uh, this is a guy who has a lot of different investments off the court. Uh, he's continued to figure out ways to impact the community while being in the tech world. He also wrote a book. So who knows what my guy Dre will do, but I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. And uh, for good measure, I think he should know that he's always welcome in Portland. Chris Paul. The president of the MBPA signed for four years, $120 million to stay in Phoenix. He spearheaded one hell of a season, uh, leading them to the finals, hitting big shots, getting to the mid-range, keeping the mid-range alive, empowering DeAndre Ayton, figuring out ways to, to bring out the best in Devin Booker every night. I, I was really happy to see him finally get a chance to play on the largest stage the NBA basketball has to offer. And I think he showed up and... It's unfortunate he ended up getting a wrist injury. Uh, I think he hurt his wrist when Patrick Beverly uh, undercut him. And he ended up getting surgery once the season ended. And I think this is a great part of his career that we will always remember. And hopefully he can build on that. But being able to see him, you know, at the age of 35, 36, play elite basketball consistently gives hope to a lot of players, gives hope to a lot of teams. And I think he may have the blueprint for how to build a successful team around a young franchise. You know, you bring in a guy who's a proven leader, who can run the offense, who's going to show up on time, be the ultimate professional. You surround him with a bunch of young players, and you never know what's going to happen. And I think the aging veterans of the world uh, are, are definitely needed. They're wanted, and they're showing that they still have huge, huge value in this league. So shout out to Chris Paul. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the report where – he was offered three years, $100 million from the Pelicans, and allegedly used that as leverage for a four-year deal with the Suns, which is smart. I would have done the same thing. And I think it's also ironic that Willie Green, his former teammate, is now the head coach of the Pelicans. So that would have been a great situation for him to play alongside Zion. But I guess we won't be saying that uh, at all. 
For the greatest shooter ever touch a basketball, Steph Curry, he's the first player to sign two $200 million contracts. Uh, Curry gets a four-year, $215 million extension, which is insane to think about, but I must say he's worth it. Uh, he will earn $59.6 million, I repeat. Wow, $59.6 million just sounds crazy. In 2024 and 25, where he turns 37, the funny part about all of this is that Steph is going to sign another $200 million deal <laughs> at 37. It's just sick to think about. Uh, but he's a, a guy who's transcended the game of basketball. He can shoot. He can score. He can pass. He's must-see TV. And just played arguably the best basketball of his career at 32. So I think the future is extremely bright for Steph. And I look forward to seeing what amazing things he's going to do on and off the court. Because him and his family are big on impacting the community, empowering others, and helping uplift uh, this world so this is a guy who's done a lot of stuff um, for the better and I'm excited to see what happens in 2017 he signed a five-year 201 million dollar deal that was the richest ever at the time and he just basically signed the same deal with one less year and more money the longevity he's been able to display in this game LeBron and Chris is very inspiring to me as a as a young you know basketball player in this league who's getting closer to 30 being able to see how they've taken care of their bodies how they train how they work how they perform how they consistently do the right things and are rewarded for it is inspiring and i hope that the younger generations are saying this and taking note that you can do a lot of great things with the sport of basketball on the court but also off the court and if you have some structure if you have some discipline if you have some focus if you're willing to sacrifice certain things, um, this world can be very, very, very giving to you. So I'll just kind of leave that at, at that and move on to the pull up or dish segment, which is one of my favorites. And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Team USA. They have a chance to win gold. And I'm going to pull up on that. I think that Team USA will win gold in the Olympics. Originally, I said they were a bronze team uh, based on how they were performing. The situation around COVID, uh, the rotation, it just seemed like they didn't have a sense of urgency. And I think those couple losses early against Nigeria, um, the loss to Australia, I think that was a great lesson for them overall on what needs to be done in order to win, how Coach Popovich can continue to figure out ways to, to change up the rotation and get his best players out there. And then the additions of Devin Booker, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton have been huge. Book went 7 for 10 uh, for 20-plus 20, 20 points uh, the other night and kind of showed that you need a mid-range game in order to play in FIBA basketball because you can't always depend on the three and the key. And I think their best players uh, have all those traits and more. So I'm pulling up on that. I think USA gets his revenge and beats France. But shout-out to my guy, Nico. Shout-out to my guy, Nico, for that block against Slovenia to secure the game, to seal the game. You need those types of players in your team, long wings, long athletic guys who make winning plays, and I think he, he did just that. I think they got off to a rocky start because of so many different factors, long NBA season, how condensed everything was, COVID, the roster construction, having about seven practices, uh, maybe eight practices before their first Olympic trial game, and not really being able to live a, a real Olympic lifestyle. They can't go out to eat. 
They can't party together. They can't hang out and drink wine. They can't play cars. They can't play dominoes. They essentially just sit in their rooms. They have masks on at all times. They have screens in between them when they're eating. So it's a it's a unique situation and circumstance in which most of their families aren't there, weren't allowed to travel. They're isolated, and it's tough. But I think they've figured out ways to adjust and be resilient. And I think the keys to the game versus France are obviously going to be controlling Gavin Fournier, understanding that Rudy is the rim protector and you have to be able to take him away from the basket. They got uh, Nicola. They have so many different players. France is a loaded team with a lot of NBA players. It's going to be a tough challenge for them. But the key is controlling Gavin Fournier and figuring out ways offensively to share the sugar early and go to KD late because KD is unstoppable and has showed that when he's out there, great things are going to happen. Now, for the last segment of the pull-up pod, the wine segment, I think it's only right that you cue the wine music, please. I've fortunately been able to drink a lot of wine this offseason and want to present a a very affordable wine that I recently was exposed to. Uh, Correct me if I say this wrong uh, on my Twitter or Instagram or whatever, but it's called Sapayo. Podera Sapayo. It is a red wine from Italy. I had the 2009. It is very, very good. Uh, More bold than light, more tannic than smooth, more dry than sweet. A little bit of higher on the acidity side, but there are definitely hints of blackberry, fruit, oak, vanilla, cedar. Definitely on the more earthy side, which is something that I don't normally gravitate towards. But based on my mood, I thought this was a great, great choice. It's only 32 bucks, depending on where you order it from. It pairs well with essentially everything, as I always like to say. I actually had it with some pasta. I felt like it was the right thing to do. But you can have it with deer, chicken, beef, uh, Asian cuisine, soul food, whatever the case may be. And the grapes in that are a cab, obviously, Merlot. And those things kind of mix together for a nice little blend. But I highly, highly, highly recommend uh, you try it. Add it to your list. Uh, Very affordable on a $30 price point, depending on what you want to spend. Something that I feel like most people should try and should have. But as always, I appreciate everybody tuning into the Pull Up Pod. Look forward to discussing so many more things with you in the coming weeks. Be sure you're following the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And hit the show up on social at Pull Up Pod on Twitter or Instagram because we're posting fresh content there all season long. And as the saying goes, don't forget to pull up.